Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 90, verses 1 through 8. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, Turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away, they are like a dream. Like grass it is renewed in the morning, in the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are consumed by your anger, by your wrath we are overwhelmed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. So teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Ezekiel chapter 7 verses 1 through 9. The word of the Lord came to me. You, O mortal, thus says the Lord God to the land of Israel. An end, an end has come upon the four corners of the land. Now the time is upon you. I will let loose my anger upon you. I will judge you according to your ways. I will punish you for all your abominations. My eye will not spare you. I have no pity. I will punish you for your ways while your abominations are among you. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Disaster after disaster. See, it comes. An end has come. The end has come. It has awakened against you. See, it comes. Your doom has come to you, O inhabitant of the land. The time has come. The day is near. Of tumult, not of reveling on the mountains. Soon I will pour out my wrath upon you. I'll spend my anger against you. I will judge you according to your ways and punish you for all your abominations. My eye will not spare. I will have no pity. I'll punish you according to your ways while your abominations are among you. Then you shall know that it is the Lord who strikes. Revelation chapter 16 verses 8 through 21. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, but they cursed the name of God, who had authority over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up in the morning to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw three foul spirits like frogs coming from the mouth of the dragon, from the mouth of the beast, and from the mouth of the false prophet. These are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. See, I am coming like a thief, Blessed is the one who stays awake and is clothed, not going about naked and exposed to shame. 
and they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel poured his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple, from the throne, saying, It is done. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a violent earthquake, such as had not occurred since people were upon the earth, so violent was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. God remembered great Babylon and gave her the wine cup of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. And huge hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, dropped from heaven on people, until they cursed God for the plague of the hail. So fearful was that plague. Good morning and welcome to the 24th Friday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from uh, Yarmouth, Maine. This morning's readings come from Psalm 90, Ezekiel 7, and Revelation 16. Um, the, uh, the kind of disastrous omens and, and uh, uh, foreshadowing continues in prophetic literature in Ezekiel. And in Revelation, again, as we, as we um, come to the end of the Christian liturgical calendar, we also are you know, seeing this emphasis on Revelation and consummation and, and things winding down. Um, and the, the Christian calendar, and I don't remember why, but it's with a K for some reason, as in you know, the liturgical calendar, um, the... Uh, you know, I didn't know this until I went to divinity school, um, but the the liturgical calendar is like the fiscal calendar. You know, it's not the um, you know, the calendar calendar, the calendar year, I guess. It's the liturgical year, just like the fiscal year. Um, you know, sometimes, say, for the government, it, it ends in October because they've got to kind of like prepare their budgets and blah, 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 blah. Um, <clears throat> there's sometimes this this overlap. Um, and if you've been listening for a while, you know that I don't actually strictly follow um, the liturgical year because, um, and you'll you'll see this if you go to dailylectio.net, which is one of the apps I use for the, you know, for pulling up the, the daily readings. Um, the liturgical week, um, I guess you could say begins on Thursdays. Um, and that's because Sundays are the peak of uh, the liturgical week. And for three days before Sunday, you know, going up the mountain, preparing for Sunday, uh, are Thursday, Friday, and Saturday readings. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday reflect back on the prior Sunday. And so the liturgical week goes from Thursday to Wednesday, and it does that in order to build up toward Sunday, and then build down and reflect back on Sunday. And so to, to follow that week um, would be, I don't know, just a bridge too far, I guess. Um, I decided when I started First Formation that it would be a compromise, a, a bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of each um, in, in different senses. So on the one hand, it's high church liturgy, um, I read a lot from the BCP when I don't have my my books of poetry 
uh, soldier and veteran poetry. Um, uh, but it's this grunt sentimentality. You know, I, um, I, I think it's important to make um, the most liturgical, you know, aspects of our faith accessible to anybody, even, you know, lowly grunts who aren't known for their, uh, you know, distinguished tastes. Uh, but that's kind of the point. Like, if, if the church's practices are only for, you know, an elite few, kind of looking down on the rest, um, then what good is it? I remember distinctly, uh, as I was as I was considering theological training and preparing for it and, and undergoing it, um, I thought, you know, if, if some of this highfalutin stuff, if it's not something that you can teach, you know, a Sunday school class full of grade schoolers, like, what good is it? You know, what, it's, it runs the risk of becoming an echo chamber. Um, and I think that uh, I did find that there's a lot of different ways to create echo chambers, the way that different ways to uh that they exist and one of them is uh within you know kind of a civilian mindset um soldiers and veterans are 20 percent more likely to identify as christian um but if there's any consistency in what i hear from veterans as i speak to them and i have for the last uh man 15 years something like that um if there's any you know constant, it's that church just feels you either have to fit into some genteel you know white glove kind of stereotype, um, or you get kind of like pat on your back. You know you don't really want to hear our stories. You just want to feel better about yourself by thanking uh, veterans for their service or something, um, and that that means that uh, you know uh, something like 18 million Christians. Um, don't get to fully experience the richness of our faith and its traditions. Um, and so something like daily prayer, um, also called uh, the divine office. I don't, I don't follow the BCP strictly. I did that for some time, and I really enjoyed it, but I also, again, want to make it accessible. You know, a little bit of formality and pomp and, and circumstance, uh, sometimes referred to as smells and bells, uh, but then also a, a pretty hefty dose of um, vulgarity. Um, and vulgarity, it's actually kind of funny. Vulgar means common. It doesn't mean dirty. Um, the Vulgate um, was an attempt to pull the Bible out of its Greek origins, which and Greek was a language not spoken by the regular idiot. Idiot as well means lowly commoner in, in Latin, idiota. Um, and so vulgarity means gruntly, common, lowly, debased, or it's thought of that. Um, and the great you know, irony is that most people are not lofty, eye in the sky, head in the clouds kind of Christians. Um, most are forced to understand themselves only nominally as Christian because you know, the the elite Christianity kind of, you know, I don't know, things we have in our head, they feel out of reach, and they're not supposed to. Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He came for the people, um, you know, who, who have dirt under their fingernails and who don't have the time to pray the divine office um, that, um, you know, would love to, 
you know, say, not work on the Sabbath or heal on the Sabbath, but frankly, that's a luxury. Um, and so the the liturgical year and these these kind of um, fanciful, um, decorous kind of traditions that the church has had, I've really appreciated. And I think I've really liked the structure and hierarchy and order of some of these practices of what we call the high church, quote unquote, um, because of my experience in the military. The military as well is highly structured, um, hierarchical, ordered, like, you know, there's there's nothing that doesn't have its place. Um, and that carries with it a certain comfort or security. I remember one uh, veteran of the um, Air National Guard who later um, expressed what I think, I don't know if he had a diagnosis, but expressed a certain kind of tendency toward bipolar disorder. Um, he was, uh, you know, a lot of times those things begin to manifest um, late teens, early 20s. Your brain, you know, is continually developing until you're about 25 and it kind of settles in. And that's when a lot of these things start showing up. And this young man, um, you know, he, he it became much more... Um, prevalent and daily after he left the military. And he believed uh, when he was lucid, he told me, you know, I think the structure and the hierarchy and the, you know, the, the routine, the predictability, it helped keep that at bay for him. Um, that it was always there, but that being in the military and the, the rigorous structure that it provides for people, um, you know, kind of kept... I don't want to say kept uh, uh, a mental um, issue at bay, but certainly gave it a a way in which it could find, you know, it could be productive in its own little way. Um, and we like to say, you know, people are OCD when they're really not, but like there's something to be said about finding these structures and finding meaning in these structures, but also security and comfort and, health in these structures. Um, that's certainly not true of everybody's experience and those structures are definitely abused. Um, I mean, the, the sex scandal in the Roman Catholic church is not, you know, didn't just start happening the other day. It's been there for a long time. Um, and before that, the church, the, the formal, uh, Roman Catholic church was a hotbed of corruption. You know, popes, had mistresses and, and illegitimate uh, children. And uh, some of them claimed to have, you know, some some of their children claimed to uh, be, uh, you know, to uh, inherit the, the papacy. Like, you know, this, this isn't anything new. Um, and so it's a fine balance between um, residing within these structures um, as a, as a, a way of finding your place and finding peace. Um, but then on the other hand, um, those with power over these structures um, have the tendency to abuse them. And this is precisely what happens in Rome. It begins in a, as a republic and it slowly, with the Battle of Philippi, no less, just before the turn of the era, the common era, um, you know, that becomes an empire and then eventually um, it it declines right around the time the church is kind of coming into its own. Um, and so the, the writer in Revelation, 
is less predicting the future as he is um, narrating uh, or giving meaning to uh, the the moral decline of the society around him um, based on abuses of power and, and uh, misuse or exploitation of structures that otherwise um, were or had the ability to be really healthy and good. Um, so any hu- human institution being human is is liable to corruption. Um, and that's no different in the military. I'm, I'm actually writing now about how that is, but I won't, I won't get too into it. Um, and so as we, we have one last week of ordinary time before we enter um, Advent, I'm not doing Martin Tide this year. If you were with me last year, you know I, I did that, but it's just a little too much on my plate right now. But I hope you appreciate the the church calendar with a K as much as I do, uh, that it that um, you can find in it and other um, traditions and practices and rituals of the church that you might find comfort, security, and predictability uh, the way uh, I have and the way um, others that I've described have. A prayer for the clergy and people from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, from whom comes every good and perfect gift, send down upon our bishops and other clergy and upon the congregations committed to their charge the healthful spirit of your grace, and that they may truly please you. Pour upon them the continual dew of your blessing. Grant this, O Lord, for the honor of our Advocate and Mediator, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, You can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.